Thank you guys so much. Happy New Year. Can we send a happy new year to Pastor Brent? Happy new year, Pastor. Happy new year to all the folks down at the Shaw campus. Can we give it up for them? Give it up for Shaw. Also to the folks at Eckerd Park Nursing Home and all the brothers at Stepping Into the Light Ministry. Happy new year to you all. Amen. It's so good to be with you all. Thank you so much for having me back. If you have a Bible or on your electronic device, Please turn with me to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. I know we're in between series here. Just finished Advent series, and Pastor Brent's going to start a new one today, or, or next week rather. And so I wanted to end the year with this great psalm. It's a community Thanksgiving psalm, but it has individual application. And the theme of the message I'm calling, You Better Tell Somebody. Now, that sounds like something you got to say to your neighbor, doesn't it? I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, neighbor, you better tell somebody. I don't know if they heard you. Try it again. Neighbor, you better tell somebody. All right. Good job. Now, exactly what are we supposed to tell? That's what we're going to try and figure out as we look at this wonderful psalm today. Now, this is a long psalm. I'm just going to read the first three verses now. But I encourage you, later on this afternoon when you get home, go back and read the whole thing so you can get a sense of this psalm. You'll want to spend a lot of time in it, more time than we have this morning. But hear now the reading of God's word from Psalm 107, beginning with verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered, from, gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. People of God, this is the word of God. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you haven't left us to figure out life for ourselves, but you've given us the very word of God that's God-breathed. And is useful for life. So guide us as we come to this great psalm now. Help us understand what you mean by we got to tell somebody. Lord, we pray you would do that. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in this place and all the places where we're gathered to watch. Continue to have your way among us. Move in us so that we can understand these words. But not only that, move in us in such a way that we live differently when we leave this place. Help us to have power. Fill us with yourself so that we can live in light of what we talk about today. Help us to be able to tell somebody. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 I wonder if there anybody here that's heard of the ministry of Young Life. Anybody been involved with that ministry? A few of you. Well, that ministry of Young Life, I know there's Young Life here in St. Louis, but it's very instrumental in my own life growing up in Maryland. Instrumental and leading me to faith in Jesus Christ. And I remember I went to a Young Life camp in Colorado. Anybody been to Colorado? Lord have mercy. Beautiful, amazing. And it was up in the mountains in Colorado, an incredible week. And we come to the very end of the week, in the very last meeting, my leader pulled me aside, and he said, listen, what we're going to have in the service is what we call a say-so. And what that means is at the end of the service, all the people who had committed their lives to Jesus Christ, who had professed faith in Christ, would stand up 
And you would say something like, my name is Thurman Williams. I'm from Annapolis, Maryland. And this week or last month, I committed my life to Jesus Christ. And I said to my leader, I said, you know, you know I don't like to get up front. Now, little did I know what was coming later. <laughs> I said, why, why should I get up front and do that? And he said, for a couple of reasons. One, it'll be a great encouragement to your own soul to be able to profess that faith publicly. But also, it'll be a blessing to the people around you, to the, all the people that have been praying for you, as well as the people that don't know the Lord yet. It'll give them something to think about to draw them to himself. And so I got up and did that. And I'm so thankful that I did at the say-so. And I was thinking, actually, that that was something that they made up, but that's not true. Actually, they took it from this very psalm, from this passage of Scripture that we're looking at in Psalm 107. That's where they got the very idea. Remember back in verse 1, this psalm starts. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. There in verse 1. And that phrase is translated, give thanks. It's not only saying thank you. It's publicly professing that God has done something amazing. Give thanks to God. Tell somebody about what God has done. For he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Now, when I grew up in the church, I remember sometimes my father, the pastor, would stand up and he would say, God is good. And the people would say, and then he'd say all the time. And I thought, man, my dad made that up. That was great. But, but he got that from the scripture. His steadfast love endures forever. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's where he got it from. And in the Old Testament, when it talks about a redeemer, that means it's somebody who's close to you, who knows that you're in trouble and you're not able to save yourself. And so they sacrifice on your behalf so that you can be set free. And so he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The NIV translation says, tell your story. Those that he gathered in from the lands, verse 3, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Now, why might this be important to say so? I don't know if you all do this, but at the end of the year, one of the things I do is kind of reflect on what's come the, through earlier in the year. And so what I'll do is go through and read in my journal and just read through things that I was writing January, February, March, and, and on down the year. I'm not finished yet, but one of the things I noticed is there were so many things God did that I forgot about. I don't even remember how good God was, how good God is. And so it's good for us to be able to say so, to tell somebody about the good things that God has done in 2023. Is anybody glad about things that God has done this year? But also recognize that as we come to the end of the year, this has been a hard year for a lot of people. This has been a painful year. There have been a lot of tears. There have been a lot of losses. There are people that were here with you this time last year that are not here with you today. And so I don't know how you come into this day come into the end of this year, but you may come in going, Lord, I'm glad it's over. I'm ready to turn the page and begin the next one. And however you've come, you've got to hear as they tell somebody, as somebody tells about what God has done. So you can be reminded that God is indeed good all the time. And all the time, he's good. 
I don't know what he's working out in your situation. I don't know what he's working out in mine. But I know that he's good. And this is calling us to tell somebody. And so what are we supposed to tell? Well, there's at least three things that come out in this passage that we're to tell. We're supposed to tell of our trouble. We're supposed to tell of our triumph. And we're supposed to tell of our thanksgiving. Is that all right? Can we do three T's this morning? Our trouble and our triumph and our thanksgiving. Let's start with our trouble. And we come to this psalm, and one of the distinctive things about this psalm, this is why it's so cool to go back and look at it later, is this psalm lays out four different groups of people and how they were in trouble, and they brought that trouble to the Lord, and they cried out to him to deliver them. Let's look. start in verse 4. It says, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Verse 5, they're hungry and thirsty, and it says their soul fainted within them. So do you hear that? They're lost and hungry and thirsty and weary. Anybody ever been there? Anybody there this morning? Well, you can identify with this first group. How about the second group? If you skip down to verse 10, it says, Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. And then listen to this description. It says, prisoners in affliction and in irons. In other words, it's saying they're literally and figuratively feeling like they are in prison. Now, how did they get there? Well, you look in verse 11. Here it says, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So they're there because of their own doing. Anybody identify with that? Anybody looking back on your own past and you're realizing the struggle and the prison you were in, it was because of what you did, because you rebelled against the very words of God. Maybe somebody is in that place today. Hold on. Hold on. This is the trouble they're going through. How about the third group? Right? We've seen the first two. What about the third group? If you skip down to verse 17, look at what it says of them. It says, some were fools. And when it says fools there, it's not talking about them being not intelligent. It means they are rebellious. They are rebelling against the word of God like the group before. It says some were fools through their sinful ways. Can anybody identify? And it says because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. Anybody been in that place? Anybody else besides me been a fool? Sometime. Maybe you've been in that place today. That's the third group. How about the the fourth group, the last group we'll look at? Look at verse 18. Excuse me, I'm sorry, verse 23. Skip down to verse 23. It says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. Then verse 24, it says, They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For verse 25 says, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Verse 26, it says those waves mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. Verse 27, they reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. 
And so this is talking about a group of sailors who are on the ocean, and all of a sudden, they're in that place, and they realize how vulnerable and small they really are. As the storms come and the waves rage against the boat, they're not there because of their own sinfulness. They're struggling, they're in trouble just because of being finite beings. And that's their situation. They, they have to cry out to the Lord. Now, do you resonate with any of those groups today? Maybe somebody comes in trouble, not because of anything that you've done, but because of the brokenness of living in a hurting and sinful world. Maybe you come in trouble today because of living as a finite being in a great world. Maybe you come in trouble because of your own doing. Maybe you come in trouble because you've been a fool, like in that passage, and rebelled against the very counsel of the Most High. Well, what does this tell us? However you come, whatever your trouble, you better tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. I don't know if you ever struggle with this, but I, sometimes I'm like, I can't tell anybody about the trouble. I got to keep that to myself. I got to put on a, a good facade. I got to look like I have it all together. Anybody ever feel like that? And we hold that trouble in. What's wrong with us? Bring that trouble and make it known. We have a time of prayer that's up here at the end of the service. Come. If you come today and you're in that situation, come and bring that to God. I was listening to a pastor talking about this, and he said, you know what our trouble is? We're always comparing ourselves to other people and comparing our situation to their situation. And he says, you know what we do sometimes? We're always comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. See, we know how messed up our behind the scenes is. And we look at everybody else and they look like, oh man, they got it all together, but you don't know what's really going on. Or you don't know the struggle that it took for them to get to that place where they are. And so come. You come with trouble today, whatever it is that's troubling your heart as you come to the end of 23 and head into 24, bring that trouble to God. You better tell somebody. Now, what else are we supposed to tell? What does the passage lead us to? Not only our trouble, oh, but also our triumph. We also need to tell somebody about our triumph. Let's go back and look to those first four groups again and look at what they did. Go to verse 6. This is the first group. Remember, they were lost and weary and hungry and thirsty. What did they do? It says there in verse 6 that they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And then what happened? He delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 7. It says, He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Do you remember what it said about them earlier? It says they didn't have a city to dwell in. They didn't know where they were going. They were hungry and thirsty. They cried out to the Lord and what happened? God delivered them. They need to tell somebody about the triumph that God has brought. How about the second group? Right, Remember them? They got in trouble by their own sin. What did they do? Let's skip down and look at verse 13. It says, they also cried to the Lord in their trouble. And how did God respond? Did God say, y'all got yourself into this. You better get yourself out of it. How did he respond? It says that he delivered them. Even though they were wrong, it says he delivered them. Even though they had rebelled against him and spurned his counsel, it says when they cried out to the Lord, he delivered them. Somebody needs to hear that today. 
You're thinking God is not going to respond to you because of what you've done. Look at what they did. They cried out to the Lord and he delivered them. And look at the next verse. Verse 14. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he burst their bonds apart. Oh, and if he did it for them, won't he do it for you? How about that third group? You say, Pastor, that was just lucky with the second group. What about the third one, right? Those guys were fools. So what did they do? Those fools wised up, didn't they? Because verse 19 says, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And what happened? He delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 20. It says, he sent out his word and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destruction. And for them, it was destruction of their own doing. You know what I love about God? In every situation, he's applying his deliverance exactly the way that they need it. Oh, and if he did it for them, won't he do it for you? What about the last group? The group that was out at sea and there was this great storm and and the waves coming upon them. What happened with that fourth group? Look at verse 28. It says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And what happened? He delivered them from their distress. Look at verse 29. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Does that sound familiar? God just said, peace be still. Look at verse 30. It says, then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Are you coming today in need of triumph? Cry out to the Lord. And watch him deliver. If God has delivered you from anything, you know what it's telling us. You better tell somebody. There's somebody that needs to hear today about how God delivered you from that trouble. Whether it was trouble of your own doing. Whether it's trouble of somebody else's doing. Whether it's the trouble of just living in a broken world. God brought you triumph. You better tell somebody. You never outgrow your need to cry out to the Lord. Maybe somebody comes today in need of triumph. Maybe there's a way you're feeling defeated today as you come to the end of 2023. Cry out to him today. Pastor Brent in the last series was talking about experiencing Christmas and he began looking at the story of Joseph. Remember that in Matthew chapter 1. And there it tells us about this child to be born that he's going to be called Emmanuel. Do you remember what that means? God with us. That's right. That's actually quoting from the Old Testament, from Isaiah chapter 7. And you go back and you read the context of that passage. The Lord sent the prophet Isaiah to go to an evil king, actually, named Ahaz, and tell Ahaz, Ahaz, I want you to ask me for a sign. Ask me. I'm going to deliver. You can almost picture God going, come on, just ask me. I want to bless you. I want to deliver you. Ahaz was in a a situation where he's in trouble. These other two nations were about to attack him, attack him, and he didn't know what to do. And the Lord wanted him to know that I got you. It's going to be all right. But you know what Ahaz said? Ahaz said, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to test the Lord. And that sounds kind of noble, doesn't it? He was being prideful. He wouldn't cry out to the Lord. Because you know what else he was doing? Around the side, he was going to another king to ask him for help instead of the Lord. And you know what the Lord said? I'm going to send you a sign anyway. And the sign is going to be a child who's going to be called Emmanuel, which means God 
with us. Now, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, what about the times when I didn't try him? What's taking so long right now? And last time I was here, I talked about the power of weakness from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And you remember the Apostle Paul crying out about this thorn in the flesh and pleading with God to deliver him. And y'all remember what God said? Essentially, he said, no, I'm not going to take it away. Because I want you to understand what? That my grace is sufficient for you. And that's a reminder to us in the midst of our struggle. Sometimes, yes, God will come and he will deliver us from that struggle and give us triumph. But what he was teaching Paul and what he often teaches us, what he teaches most of all through the Lord Jesus Christ, is sometimes he chooses not to deliver us from the suffering, but through the suffering. He brings the triumph not from the suffering, but even through the suffering. And you know the thing about that is you can never see it when it's going on. Doesn't that drive you crazy? You can never see it then. You can only look back and see that that's what God did. Well, how do you have the courage to keep on going even though you can't see how he's going to do it? Well, look at how he already did it with his son. In the case when it looked like. He had been most defeated. That's the time when he's most victorious, when he got up three days later. And again, if he did it for him, then he also will do it for you. You better tell somebody, not only about your trouble, but you got to tell somebody about how God has triumphed there so they can be encouraged to keep on going. Now, there's one more thing. Not only do we tell somebody about our trouble, Not only do we tell somebody about our triumph, but lastly, we tell somebody about our thanksgiving. We tell somebody about our thanksgiving. What do I mean? Well, let's look back at that first group. Verse 8. It says, after God had delivered them, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Now I want to camp out there for a second to talk about that idea of steadfast love. You remember we heard that in verse 1, right? The Lord is good and his steadfast love endures for how long? It endures forever. And that's a Hebrew word, hesed, and it's translated loyal love or steadfast love or unfailing love. I heard one preacher say it means that God's not going to give up on you even when you give up on him. What was it that we sang a little bit earlier about the love of God holding on to us and refusing to let go? That's the kind of love that we're talking about. There's a verse in uh, Lamentations 3. It says, because of his great love, we are not consumed. Another translation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy is a new wind every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Some of you know that psalm that says goodness and mercy. That's that same word, mercy. His goodness and steadfast love shall follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 51, when David is confessing his sin to God, what's the basis that he's asking for forgiveness? He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, according to your Steadfast love, 
according to your mercy. Not according to my record. Not according to what I'm going to do for you later on. But according to your steadfast love. Have mercy upon me. That is the love that our God has for us and that we need to offer thanksgiving to him. Now let's look at the second group. Verse 15. Remember them, it says again, what are they supposed to do? Let them (laughs) thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Look at verse 16. It says that he shatters the doors of bronze and he cuts into the bars of iron. Verse 21. This is the third group. What does he tell them to do? Those fools who he delivered. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works. To the children of man. Verse 22. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. And tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Look at the fourth group. Verse 31. Let them thank the Lord. Do you see a theme here? For his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. Verse 32. He calls them. Let them extol him. And the congregation of the people. And praise him. In the assembly of the elders. And then in this next section, I don't have time to read this today, but this is homework. From verse 32 to 33 to 42. Go back and read that later. But there it talks about God's reversals. About how he loves to take the proud and humble them. And he takes the humble and he exalts them. Out of his own sovereignty. I love that song that you guys sing, um, Graves in the Gardens. You know, y'all know that song, I know. Right, you know that? It says he turns our mourning into what? Into dancing. He gives us beauty in the place of ashes. He turns our shame into glory. And there's a part that we cry out, we say, because he's the only one who can. Then there's a part that says he turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. He turns seas into highways. Can you say it again? You're the only one who can. Is there anybody that's glad today? Is there anybody that can give God thanksgiving for how God has delivered you? You better tell somebody. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Tell somebody about how he's redeemed us from our trouble. Tell somebody about how he has brought us our triumph. Oh, you better tell somebody about our thanksgiving because of what God has done. Now, there's one more verse that I want to skip to, the last verse of the passage. Verse 43. Look at how it ends. And it's, it's almost like a proverb. It's, it's talking wisdom here. It's saying, whoever is wise... Let him attend to these things. What things? All the things we've been reading about in the first 42 verses. Seeing how God has dealt with each of those four different groups. How they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. About how God brought them triumph. How they offered thanksgiving. Let them attend to these things. And then look at what it says. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Now, that word that's translated consider, it means to think about, to ponder, to meditate on. The steadfast love 
of the Lord. Not just praising him about it while we're in service. We should do that. But we sit down and we think about it. And, and we think about his goodness. We think about his steadfast love. And then we act accordingly in light of what he reveals to our hearts. Now, you know what the good news is today? Is we have even more reason <laughs> to consider his steadfast love than those people who wrote that psalm or who were in that psalm. You know why? Because we know the ultimate expression. We know the ultimate example of the steadfast love of the Lord in his son, Jesus Christ. And so consider, think, ponder, meditate on the steadfast love of God that he has poured out upon us in his son, Jesus Christ. I love that song. It says, and when I think, it's the same idea. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And then what happens? And then sings, my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great, oh, how great, how great thou art. There's an old gospel song that says, and when I think of the goodness of Jesus, oh, and all that he's done for me, it makes my soul cry out, hallelujah. And I thank God. Can anybody thank God today? I thank God. I thank God for saving me. Oh, will you tell somebody about the steadfast love of the Lord that's redeemed us from our trouble? Will you tell somebody about the steadfast love of the Lord that's brought about our triumph? Oh, will you tell somebody about the steadfast love of the Lord that's due all of our thanksgiving today? Is there anybody glad about where God has brought you from? About how he's redeemed you? About how you were dead and God made you alive? About how you were lost and God found you? About how you were broken and God put you back together? about how you were walking in darkness and God brought you into the light. Oh, brothers and sisters, if that's you, you better tell somebody. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your steadfast love that endures forever. Help us to consider that, to think about it, to meditate on it, to meditate on the fact that, Lord, you are good. You've been so good. Lord, not only are you good, you've been better than good. We can't praise you enough. We owe you our lives. We can't praise you enough, even if we try, because you are that good, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Help us to tell somebody as we come to the end of this year. And Lord, also let us hear, maybe there's some that are suffering, that are in pain, that come to the end of this year, wanting it to be over. And so, Lord, I pray you would minister to those hearts and souls right now and let them know that you're with them, that you're good, that we don't know when, we don't know how, but you're going to bring about the triumph and we'll be able to give you thanksgiving. So, Lord, do all of this. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.